had that experience? Have you been reading scripture? Maybe something you've read a hundred times. And yet this one time you read it, something stands out to you. Something pops out to you. The Holy Spirit does something in you. You just realize something new about Jesus. This new thought or this new way. And the Holy Spirit shows you who Jesus is. Well, I've had this experience uh, this week as I've been reading the scriptures. So let's take a look at it again. But before we look at the scripture, let me just tell you, let me catch you up. So a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. We remember that Jesus died on a cross and everything that he accomplished through that. Forgiveness of sin, defeat of death and Satan and everything. That God made us right with, with himself. And then they buried Jesus and on the third day he rose again. Mary, one of the ladies who was following him, one of his disciples, came to the tomb and it was empty. And she thought that someone had taken him. It didn't occur to her that he had risen. And so she went to go get the other disciples and say, come and look, and someone has taken him. So Peter and John, they came, and they found the tomb. They found his grave clothes laying there. And John saw them. He looked into the tomb, and he saw them, and he believed. And then they went back to their own places. And Mary, she stayed there, and she, and she saw Jesus. She actually saw two angels, and then she saw Jesus. And she saw Jesus, and she didn't first recognize him, which is surprising. And she thought he was the gardener, and she asked Jesus, where have you laid Jesus? Where have you laid him so I can go get him? And Jesus said, Mary, called her by name. And then she said, my teacher, my rabbi. And then he goes, he sent her on a mission after that. She had just, even just began, or just begun to start realizing who Jesus is, that he was risen. And immediately, he sends her on a mission to go and tell others, to go and tell the disciples that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and their God. So this is where we pick up the passage. This is where we pick it up. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please open it up to John chapter 20, verse 19 to 23. Or it's also in your bulletins, this white sheet. So it's on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish people, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let's move this here a little bit. Need a little more room. So I've been reading this passage and is focusing especially on a part where Jesus says, as a father has sent me, I am sending you. Because the first thing, it fits with where we were at last week. The disciples are just beginning to realize. I mean, they're seeing Jesus risen there with them. And they're just beginning to realize that everything that he taught them, everything that he was saying about the Son of Man and the Son of God and the Messiah, everything is starting to kind of come flooding in on them. And they're starting to realize who Jesus really is. This fits with what happened. Because they're starting to realize the one that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Savior. They're starting to realize that Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just another guy. And not only that, that he's risen. He has risen from the dead. And just as these things start to kind of settle in and take root, Jesus sends them out. He sends them out and he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And it's interesting, as I've been thinking about this, I've been stuck on this part where he says, as the Father has sent me. 
And it's interesting how Jesus being sent is a central part of his identity. Jesus has a sent identity. He has a sentness. You see, as you read through John's gospel, Jesus talks quite a bit about how he's been sent. Sent by his father. You know, how many, how many times do you think Jesus says, I've been sent in John's gospel? Any ideas? Ten? Fifteen times, maybe? Thirty-seven times. Thirty-seven times in John's gospel, Jesus talks about being sent, sent by his father, the son of man who was sent. Jesus has a sentness, a sentness in his, in his identity of who he is. It's central to who he is. And I don't think sometimes, I think sometimes we maybe lose sight of that. We think about Jesus as son of God, right? He's God the son. Do you know how many times Jesus refers to himself as son of God in the gospel of John? Four. Being sent, 37. <laughs> Being son of God, four. I mean, we still, I mean, Jesus is the son of God, don't get me wrong, right? But it just goes into, uh, helps us see how much Jesus understood himself as being sent. Being sent by his father. So his father has sent him, and Jesus says, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And that's the part that's, that has stuck with me some. He says, as the father is sending, or as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And I've been focused on that word as. I hear Jesus, I hear the scripture saying, or the Holy Spirit saying to me, is that the way Jesus came should shape the way we go. Let me say that again. The way Jesus came should shape the way we go. And what I mean by that is one of the things I realize of how Jesus came is that he came and he lived among us. He came and he lived among people. In the church, they have a fancy word for that, the incarnation. This idea that God put on flesh and bone and lived among us. Now, I know we've had 2,000 years to get really used to that idea. But before Jesus, people never talked about God, the creator of everything, becoming flesh and living among people. And you think about it, I mean, God is God. Jesus could have came and hovered 20 feet in the air and glowed. He could have just popped in for a few days. But he took on flesh, entered into our humanity, entered into our lives, and lived among us. And he didn't just come as a great king. He didn't come with a flowing robe and a crown and thousands of, an entourage of a thousand people to take care of him. He came as a vulnerable, as an infant, a child that had poopy diapers and spit up. God entered humanity fully. He became human and lived among us. And when he did grow, when he became a man, he didn't hang out in castles, he didn't hang out in palaces. He hung out with people who needed him. The people that everyone else wrote off, he hung out with them. I mean, think about Zacchaeus. Maybe some of you remember that story. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And in those days, tax collectors were traitors. They were selling off their own people. 
Basically, scalping them for taxes, taking a cut, and then giving the money to Rome. People hated Zacchaeus, and yet Jesus goes to him, Zacchaeus, I'm eating at your house today. Or what about that woman who came and washed Jesus' feet with her hair? He'd been at, Jesus was at a Pharisee's house, a teacher of the law. He was at his house where everybody had their social standings, right? Everybody knew their place. And yet this sinful woman, this unclean, this dirty woman comes in and starts washing Jesus' feet. And these religious leaders, they say to one another, if he knew who was touching him, he wouldn't let her. Jesus did know. He knew exactly who she was. He says, your sins have been forgiven. Jesus entered our humanity. He entered in, he became fully human. And not only that, he went and lived with the people. He spent time with the people that everyone else wrote off. He became fully human. Think about that. If God didn't want to get his hands dirty, how different would things be if God didn't want to be involved in the dirtiness of life? Last, or yesterday, uh, our family, the, the garden gave us some of the manure so we could bring it home and put it on our garden. So here's our family, right? A family that shovels manure stays together, right? Something like that? You've heard that one, right? <laughs> Isn't that a saying? <laughs> you can imagine there are certain people in our family, most of them under this height, who wanted nothing to do with it. That's gross. I want to touch poo or rake poo or anything with poo. That's three times I said poo in one sermon. Four. But they did. Imagine if God didn't want to get his hands dirty with the crap in our lives. Imagine if God said, you know, I really can't have anything to do with you until you get cleaned up. Imagine how different things would be. None of us would be sitting here that God was willing to get his hands dirty, willing to enter into our humanity. And I know we've heard this so many times, but the God of the universe became human, squeezed himself down into a human and lived among us to show us what God is like, to show us what God's kingdom is like. And this is the thing. God could have just dropped in for the afternoon, wrote it in the sky, or dropped Bibles from 30 feet above the ground. But he didn't do it that way. He lived with us. He lived for us for 33 years. 33 years Jesus lived among us to show us what God's kingdom was like. Now I know there are times when, when we have those conversations. You know, maybe some of you have experienced this where you're just somewhere and you meet someone for the first time and you sit down <coughs> excuse me, and you start talking and pretty soon like you start talking about faith and then all of a sudden they say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I hear what God has done in your life and I want to follow Jesus. I mean, some of you have maybe had that experience. But I'm telling you, that is so rare. That is so rare. More often than not, the vast majority of the time, it takes a long time. It takes a time to build up a relationship and trust with people before they even care what you think. You've heard me say this before, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it takes a while for people to know how much you care. 
It takes a while to prove it to them. To show them that you really do care about them. Because it's easy. Or, or it's not so prevalent in our society right now, but there are still people who are just kind. Who just do nice things for the afternoon. One time thing, here you go, let me help you out. That's not totally unheard of. But someone who devotes their life Someone who spends t- day in, day out helping you or caring about you, that's rare. That doesn't happen very much in our culture right now. Last week we were talking about being sent and how God has sent us. And I was listening to you guys. And one of the things I realized we were talking about is how important it is to spend time with people. We live such crazy lives that we don't spend time with people. I'm guilty of this myself. I was reading this last week and they did an experiment in Princeton's Theological Seminary where they had these seminary students and they, were, they did it on purpose where they studied the Good Samaritan. They were talking about the Good Samaritan. And then they had a, they had a group of students. They told one group of students, okay, you need to go, all of them, we need to go to the next building over. And they told them, this, and, but on the, on the, between the two buildings, they put a man who was, who, to act like he was in distress, like something was really wrong. And so they took one group of students and they said, okay, you know, we've been talking about the Good Samaritan. We need to go finish this conversation in the next building. Oh, and I'm sorry, we've taken too much time. You need to rush right over. I think it was 6% of those students stopped to help the man. Some of them actually stepped over him because they were in a hurry to go to the next building. But then they had another group of students. They said, they were talking about the Good Samaritan. And they said, oh, you know what? You've got lots of time, but why don't you head over there just in case? You know, you've got lots of time, but just go ahead and make your way over there. Sixty-some percent of them stopped and helped, which I hope it would have been higher than that, but still. The point is, when we feel like we're rushed, we throw compassion out the window. I'm sorry, I don't have time to be compassionate right now. And we rush on our way. And I know this from my own experience. How important it is for us to take time for people, to set time for people, to leave margin in our day. So when someone says, hey, can you help me? We can say, yeah, you know what? I've got time. Yes, of course. But I know what it's like. (laughs) I'm, I'm guilty of this. Just pack my day full of stuff. I got 50 things I want to do. I've got 26 hours of work that I'm going to try and cram into eight, right? As I was listening to us last week, how important, it is, how important it is for us to set time aside for people. The other thing is this, is listening to people. I heard this as we were talking last week. You know, to just, to just listen to someone, to give them time and listen to them is so rare. Oftentimes when people say like, I am, I am struggling, here's all the stuff, they just go, bleh. We look at our, start looking at our watch and say, ah, I've got to go. <laughs> how valuable it is to people to just listen to them. And I know, I'm a guy, so guys, I know what this is like when you start listening for five minutes and you start saying, like, well, here's how you fix it. <laughs> Sometimes that's helpful, but not very often. <laughs> so here Jesus, when Jesus came and lived among us, he dwelt among us. He spent time with people and he listened did some amazing stuff too. He healed people. He taught them about the kingdom, but he spent time and he listened. 
Tracy and I, for the last year and a half, we've been eating lunch at Our Daily Bread on Tuesdays on purpose. We don't go because the food is wonderful. It's not bad, but it's not like a restaurant or anything. We go there to be present, to live among people. And we've been going there for over a year, and we are still outsiders. I mean, granted, we only go there one time a week. Most people eat there every day. You can imagine what it's like when you spend time with people every day, and you have one person who just comes in once a week. They're an outsider. And I, and I get that. I realize that. But it's still surprising to me, or a little bit convicting to me, how long it takes, especially for them, for that group of people to trust us. You know, they're used to being ministered to. They're used to middle-class people coming and standing behind the counter and serving them food. And they appreciate it. They, all, they always say thank you. And they love it when Corbin and Shannon mess up, you know, with their butter or something. They love that. But there's still, there's this definite line. There's the people who are served and there's the people who serve. And I noticed this, that actually most of the people who serve... I mean, I know they mean well. They're there because, because they want to help people. But I think, I'm trying to be honest here, I think, I can't think of a time when I've seen them come out and eat with the people. They always go back into the kitchen and eat. So I've stopped serving. One, because they had tons of people, and I'm not that great at it anyways. I just go there to eat and spend time with people to get to know them, and it's taking a long time. But you see, they've had so many people who just drop in for the day, or who drop in for the hour, that they begin to get calluses toward it. You can imagine if you just had people, if you were really needing help, and you just had people who would just stop in, give you like five minutes or 20 minutes, and then you wouldn't see them again. See, Jesus models to us what it's like to come and spend time with people. To not just hover above the ground, dropping aid, but to take on flesh, to enter into their world and live among them. So as I've been reading those scriptures this week, been listening and thinking about these words that Jesus said, he said, as the Father, <coughs> as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And realizing how Jesus came, that he took on flesh, and lived among us. That as Jesus came, the way Jesus came should shape the way we go. Well, I encourage you to keep having this conversation with each other. Keep talking with each other about how Jesus came. The way, like, the, like how obedient he was. Or the ways that he came and did miraculous things, but also taught people about the kingdom of God and what it meant to be a, a child of the Father in heaven. So I encourage you to keep talking about these things with each other. Keep encouraging each other in this. That we learn from him and then we go. The way that Jesus came should shape the way that we go. Right?